So we're going to launch into our study of the book of 2 Timothy, um, which is a super cool book because this is Paul's last known or extant writing, um, and it's a personal letter, not just to a church, but to a particular person, Timothy. And so we're going to see here what is shortly before Paul is going to die. I mean, it's just before that, we think. Um, what is on his mind of utmost importance to communicate to uh, this young man that he had been mentoring in ministry that was so dear to him. John Calvin says that this letter ought to be viewed as written not with ink, but with Paul's own blood. It was so near and dear to him and at the end of his life. Um, so as you probably already know, this is a letter written by Paul to Timothy. Okay, it's a little confusing. Um, the book of First and Second Timothy are not written by Timothy, but by Paul. Um, so in a similar way, uh, there's other letters, uh, uh, Philemon and um, Titus, who the book, the name of the book isn't the author of the book, but it's who the book is written to. And then there's other books that the name of the book is who the author is, like James and First and Second Peter. So um, you see Jude. So you see these um, letters. And just if you, if you want a quick tip on just how you can know who wrote the letter, um, if you look in your Bible, usually at the, the beginning of the, uh, of the book, you'll see in the title of the book where it says the first letter of Peter. Okay, so, well, Peter wrote that. And in James, the, the letter of James. So you read that. And then in others, you read the letter of Paul to so-and-so to this Colossian church, to Timothy, to Titus. And so that's just a quick cheat uh, so you can know who wrote the book if it's not um, already known to you. So Paul writes this letter, uh, which we call a book now, to Timothy. So I want to give you a bit of their history. Paul, uh, after meeting Christ, he became a missionary and starts spreading the gospel. And we get a lot of that narrative in the book of Acts, right? And in what is called Paul's first missionary journey, which was with Barnabas primarily, he was going throughout many different cities in what's modern day Turkey. And one of those stops, one of those cities he stopped in was called Lystra. Okay, we can read about it in Acts 14 when he first arrived there. He healed at that time a crippled man from birth. And because of that, the whole city started treating him and Barnabas as if they were gods. Um, they became very popular, but then shortly after that, some of the people from out of town started stirring up the crowd, and they decided at that point to stone him to death. And they uh, so they stone him to the extent that they think he was dead, drag him outside of the city. And if you remember that story from Acts 14 or 15, it's it's cool because it's like Paul, after just being stoned nearly to death, just stands up and he walks right back into the city, and then he comes back to it later. Um, like a boss. So that was Paul's first visit to Lystra. In his second missionary journey, which was with Silas a couple of years later, he visits all the churches that he had founded, or some of them, including Lystra. And so it's here, or this time in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 16, that we meet Timothy. Okay, because Timothy was living in Lystra. Now, did Timothy actually meet Paul during Paul's first missionary journey? Well, it's likely. Um, he certainly would have heard about Paul because of this healing of the crippled man that spread like wildfire. Um, but we have this young man, Timothy, whose uh, mom, Eunice, 
was Jewish and his dad was Greek. And his mom and his grandmother, Lois, uh, were faithful to the Lord. And so Timothy was raised with a strong familiarity of the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, that is, the Old Testament. Okay, Timothy at this time is young, um, but not like teenage young, probably at least 30 years old. So I like to think that's young. Um, he was, we read, well spoken of by Christians in all of the surrounding areas. And so when Paul comes back here on the second missionary journey, he decides that he wants Timothy to accompany he and Silas to visit the other churches and to establish more churches. So um, in, in doing so, that starts with Paul having Timothy uh, circumcised because uh, remember his dad, Timothy's dad was Greek. And so he, he hadn't been circumcised yet as the Jews were and to not create an unnecessary barrier between Timothy and the Jews. Paul's like, okay, we're going to have to chop off the foreskin. So uh, they, that's Paul, Timothy's uh, start to his traveling ministry. Ouch. Um, and so Timothy begins then to accompany Paul in many different places. And so he's learning ministry from the best. Paul then um, later starts to send Timothy into churches who need help in different ways. At some point, Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica to instruct the church there. And Timothy reported back to Paul on how that was going. Um, at another point, uh, while uh, Paul and Timothy were in Ephesus, um, he sent Timothy to the Corinthian church to speak into their matters. There's another point that he wanted to send Timothy to Philippi, we read about in Philippians 2. I don't know if that ever happened. I don't think we can know. Um, and during Paul's time in Rome, he sent Timothy to Ephesus. And this was to deal with heresies in Ephesus. So Paul sends Timothy to all of these different cities um, like, a, like a delegate or this, this, this apostolic envoy to these churches and to difficult churches, like read about the Corinthian church and the Thessalonian church in, in those books of the Bible. Um, in, in fact, when he sends uh, Timothy to Corinth, he seems actually concerned in 1 Corinthians 16 that they will treat Timothy well. Uh, he has some concern over that, Paul does. Um, but Timothy's sent into these areas. He's not exactly a pastor like we would think of a pastor. Um, he's more of a, a person sent in just to help things set things straight for a time. Okay, So that's what Paul is, is doing with Timothy. Very much trust put in him. He's a very capable man. And we can read from the book, the letters to Timothy and other places that Paul thought extremely highly of Timothy. It was very much a father-son relationship. It is likely, we think, that, that Paul led Timothy to faith, probably on that first missionary journey, uh, because of all of the paternal language that he uses. In 1 Corinthians 4.17, he says, My beloved and faithful child in the Lord, referring to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 1, my true child in the faith. In 2 Timothy, we'll read, my beloved child. Philippians, you see the, the most of his respect for Timothy, Paul's respect for Timothy in Philippians 2.19, where he tells the Philippian church, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by news of you. And then listen to what he says about Timothy. For I have no one like him. 
no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How, as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him. So, father-son relationship. He's a, he's a co-worker in the gospel is another way Paul tends to refer to Timothy. I don't know if you realize it, but Timothy is also a, a co-author of many of the epistles. Um, you'll see, though, they have Paul's name right up front at the beginning. A, a lot of the epistles actually say Paul and Timothy. A couple times Silas is included too. But Timothy is, to some extent, he's, he's contributing to these letters, these very letters of Scripture. He does that. I, I was surprised to find in 2 Corinthians, Colossians, Philippians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon all say Paul, along with Timothy, as a part author in these letters. So with this letter in particular, we come to 2 Timothy. Um, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy while he's in prison in Rome, and he's bound there as a criminal uh, and we think about to die shortly, and Paul thinks he's about to die shortly as well. Uh, this was probably his second Roman imprisonment um, after the book of Acts. We don't even read about it, but we're kind of putting the pieces together from some other historical data and some other of the uh, epistles in the New Testament. Um, but it's, it's right before, if not even within a year, of Paul being beheaded, killed. Um, so it's written from Paul in prison to Timothy, who's in Ephesus, as you know, Timothy was sent there, as I mentioned, to kind of sort some things out there, to sort out some heresy that was going on. And he, he had received the letter of 1 Timothy a couple of years or a few years earlier, and now he receives this one because Onesiphorus, we're going to learn this in the book, but he had come from Timothy in Ephesus uh, to um, kind of comfort Paul in prison, and he probably had reported to Paul in Rome what was going on in Ephesus, which was not good stuff. In fact, it was the same stuff that was going on when Paul originally wrote the book that we know as First Timothy. So Paul writes this letter to Timothy, and with, with the letter, he sends the letter with Tychicus um, back to Ephesus, where Timothy is, if you're following all this, um, to kind of replace Timothy in ministry there. And the book kind of ends with Paul saying, I want you to come and visit me, Timothy, my son. Come and visit me in Rome. This book, this letter was written, we think, approximately A.D. 67. And as I said before, it, it's maybe the most intimate kind of personal letter in all of Scripture. Um, you say you see Paul telling Timothy, hey, would you greet this person for me? Did you hear about what's going on with this person? And hey, can you tell so-and-so hello? And hey, when you come, could you bring my winter coat? And all that sort of just kind of personal detail that's very unique to all of the writings of Scripture. It's real people, real circumstances. And Second Timothy especially just helps us see that. I want to just finish by talking about the, the purpose of this letter, or some of the purpose. This is an, uh, an ad hoc letter, which means that it was written for particular purposes, for a, a certain occasion, for things that were happening. And so we want to take, well, what was Paul speaking to Timothy about, and then pull our own principles out of that. So again, as, as we teach, the teachers, we will do our best job to give 
Paul's meaning to Timothy, what was he saying? And then within our churches, through discussion, we'll consider together how the uh, what the principles are and how we can apply them in our own context. So first thing that Paul's addressing is opposition to the gospel and to believers that's happening in Ephesus. So there's opposition to the faith and to the faithful. Other history books tell us what was going on at the time in the Roman world for the church. Um, the persecution was really beginning to ramp up in the last couple of years before this letter, um, especially because in AD 64, a couple of years before the letter, uh, much of the city of Rome was burned to the ground. In fact, two thirds of the whole city, they say, went up in flames. And the emperor Nero blamed Christians so that in essence, uh, Christianity was made illegal. It was, it was about that time shortly after that Peter was crucified, we believe. All maybe related to this situation and the burning of Rome and that being blamed on Christians. So Paul makes it very clear as he's talking to Timothy in this book that Timothy should expect to suffer and that he shouldn't be ashamed that he is suffering. So 2 Timothy 1.8 says, Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me of his prisoner, Paul says, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Timothy did, and he would go on to suffer. If he's the Timothy in Hebrews 13, we find that he was imprisoned at some point. Um, some other places he speaks in chapter 2, he says, Share in suffering, Timothy, like a soldier. In chapter 4, endure suffering. In chapter 3, understand this, Timothy, that in the last days there will come time of difficulty. Um, and this one in chapter 3 really starts to hit home. Uh, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How many of those in Christ Jesus will be persecuted? All will be persecuted. So Timothy Paul's saying it, it is expected that things aren't going your way, but that's okay. That's no reason to be ashamed. You could take it from Paul, the rock star Christian of all, who's faced all sorts of opposition and was about to be martyred. He says, don't be ashamed. This is all to be expected. It might look like the gospel is weak and failing, but it's not. And Paul writes Timothy, both 1st and 2nd Timothy, these letters to encourage him and to say, hang in there. And it's not surprising that Timothy, with the circumstances, would need some encouragement to persevere through this opposition to the gospel. And Paul encourages Timothy. One of the main ways that he encourages Timothy is saying, hey, we've got the crown of righteousness coming. There will be a reward that we will receive when Jesus appears again. So hang in there. Stay the course. A lot of the opposition, though, that Timothy was facing didn't come from those who are seemingly outside of the faith, but from within. So some of the leaders within the church, we learn, were turning people away from the true gospel. And this is known as the Ephesian heresy. It's hard kind of to identify exactly what was being falsely taught. We try to reconstruct it from these books and others. Um, but some of that heresy that the internal teachers in the church were teaching um, probably had to do with minimizing the work of Christ. Um, 
maybe it had to do with absorbing some of the previous Greek religions that they had into Christianity, kind of syncretizing those faiths together. Some of it had to do with genealogies, like reinterpreting the Old Testament genealogy charts and trying to make something of that. Um, it talks in 2 Timothy about myths and these, these speculations that are creating about scripture that are creating disputes and arguments and quarrels. And these are things that don't matter. They are not the gospel and they are just things to, to argue over these matters. So there's this Ephesian heresy. Some of the uh, clearest, um, most directly mentioned part of this heretical teaching was there were those teaching that the resurrection had already happened. That's called an overrealized eschatology. So what, what we expect will happen in the future, we will be physically resurrected from the dead. They're saying, oh no, that's already happened. We're living already in our resurrected state. And they were kind of spiritualizing that idea. Well, that's heretical. And so, so Paul is writing Timothy, who's in the situation in Ephesians with these um, Ephesian uh, heretics. And the, these teachers, we find out, had apparently... Um, kind of gathered the support of some of the young women in the church and those women had kind of opened their homes to them and helped to kind of support them and spread their ministry and so you can imagine that those teachings are they're they're wreaking havoc on these house churches there's two teachers that were so out there that when paul was visiting he actually kind of excommunicated them he handed them over to satan hymenaeus and alexander we read about in first timothy and even after their excommunication i think we read about in second timothy um, we find that hymenaeus is, is still infiltrating his ideas into the church it's very interesting uh, because in the book of Acts, before any of this heresy was happening, Paul actually had predicted that it was going to happen. Things like this were going to happen in Ephesus. Paul told some of his original Ephesian elders that um, he says, uh, Acts 20, 29 and 30, he says, I know that after my departure from Ephesus, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So these heresies are insidious. Paul says they're sourced by Satan. And this is what Timothy is battling. And so what do you think Paul does to do battle against that heresy? But he begins to focus on accurately proclaiming the word of God. So lastly, in this book, we're going to see a lot of talk about truth, sound teaching, the gospel, the original faith. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, follow the pattern, Timothy, of the sound words that you heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. In chapter 2, verse 15, he tells him, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, God's words. In chapter 3, verse 14 through 16, As for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation. And he goes on, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for us in many different ways. So there's this main theme through the book of 2 Timothy 
Timothy, stick to the faith that you've learned. Don't get carried off with this worthless teaching, but pass on that true gospel, that truth that you've received to the next generation. Second Timothy provides a really high view of scripture. And it's going to be one of the main things that Paul kind of develops through this letter. And it's one of the main things that we hope we will walk away with after understanding this letter. An importance of this message, this gospel that we hold and keeping true to it. It is a precious piece of history that we have here in 2 Timothy. This is, again, Paul's last letter that we have access to anyway. It's a letter to his most tender relationship, his son in the faith, his co-worker in the gospel, Timothy, and we get a, a personal view into what's in Paul's mind in those moments. We don't know if Timothy actually was ever able to visit Paul in prison in Rome, and Paul probably knew that was a possibility, so he includes everything he can, his last words to Timothy, um, the last things on his mind, his last will, and we get to peer into that in this book. So now we're going to have some reflective discussion based on what we've learned.